Hey everybody, it's Kevin Carr from the Movement is Medicine podcast. Welcome to episode number nine. And in this podcast, Brendan and I talk about the economic challenges of choosing your price if you're a personal trainer or fitness professional and answering the question that we always get from other coaches in the industry, and that is, how much should I charge for my services? And it can be a tough question to answer and be uncomfortable to talk about money as a coach. And so we talked all about how to determine how much to charge and how to have that conversation with your clients. I think this was a great episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the Movement in Medicine podcast. I'm Kevin Carr with Brendan Rerick coming in on a late Sunday night all the way from the West Coast. And uh, what do you have there? Is that a glass get... of wine? It is. But I'm sad I didn't get my lovely, amazing co-host. My today. unbelievably amazing co-host. Oh, unbelievably, here. an extra, an extra adjective. Well, I guess that's an yes, adverb. Yes. But well, uh, I mean, we're a little late. Cheers. We were going to record last week, uh, but scheduling was difficult. So I hope you all made it um, until this week. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we are back again for episode nine. So uh, we're almost at ten, which is pretty amazing. Um, but I'm happy I finally get to speak to you. So how was your weekend? Yeah. Uh, weekend's been great. We went swimming. It's uh, warm enough here in California. Well, it's warm enough. The the water isn't. But when you have oh a seven-year-old, they don't they don't feel uh, the pain of the cold. So you jump in the pool when your seven-year-old does a cannonball without even touching it. You just do yeah, it. No complaints. So I don't want to hear any complaints. No. No, I can't. It's actually pretty nice here this weekend, to be honest. Um, but not California weather. Um, I spent my weekend nesting. Ooh, getting I ready like for that. Baby yeah, arrival. Um, getting rid of things, <laughs> shedding things from my house, and donating them, and throwing them out, and recycling them. Uh, various uh, things. You realize how much stuff you can get rid of uh, when you have to make space for another human, um, which yeah. is actually really, really nice. And then I actually followed that up by bringing more things into my house. Uh, whether they were donated uh, by family right. or if they were things given to us um, from our registry and building furniture. I've built a lot of furniture as of late. So um, I did a lot of that. And yeah. Uh, Ikea? Yeah, that was about was it. it. We had a great time, actually. Um, I should talk about this right off the bat. Saturday night. Yeah, uh, we went let's to, go. Um, the Mike, Mike Perry's fundraiser at Skill of Strength. So those of you know who don't know who Mike Perry is, he's an amazing strength coach, someone Brendan and I have been friends with and known uh, for a long time now. You've known Mike for over 10 years. You worked with Mike yeah. Uh, yeah. way back in the day at Athletic Evolution. And um, so for those of you who don't know, Mike just got through with a battle over the last like uh, year and a half so of uh, with colon cancer. And we're really happy to say he's come out the other side uh, looking great, feeling strong, and, and got through it. It was a tough battle. But um, in, in in that, he has started the first of what's going to be an annual fundraiser for the Colon Cancer Foundation. And he had a really great event at his gym on Saturday night where we raised a lot of money. He got a lot of people involved. They did an amazing job. They threw it together in a short period of time, like over the last month or so. Um, with a, They did a seminar with Brett Jones, Mike, Brett Jones, Derek Chrysler at Skill of Strength. And um, they did a little seminar followed up by like a barbecue and a party and a silent auction and uh, a raffle where they raised a ton of money uh, for the Colon Cancer Foundation. There was really, really, really good turnout. It was pretty amazing. And they gave away a bunch, like raffled off a ton of cool stuff and did an auction for a bunch of cool stuff. So um, I'll tell you next year, I know they're going to do it again and he plans to blow yeah. it up even bigger. So 
it was a pretty pretty awesome that we got to kind of be a part of that and we got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while and uh, just really a good cause. And I mean, you can kind of share all the things he did for you. It's kind of mm. crazy, uh, serendipitous, um, because I know when you were going through your problem, he, he really, you know, put on a great, yeah, he stepped you up. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I'm, I'm so barbells happy for Brendan. Barbells for Brendan. Yes. Uh, and that was around Thanksgiving. They had it around Thanksgiving time. They did a fundraiser um, for anyone who hasn't, heard my story, I was diagnosed with aplastic anemia, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks your bone marrow. So it's similar to that of uh, leukemia. Uh, that's originally what I was diagnosed with because they didn't know what I had. Um, and Mike was kind enough, Mike Perry and friends were kind enough to host a, yeah, barbells for Brendan event and then donate that money to help me with my medical bills. And then everything extra that I had at the end, I donated to aplastic anemia research. So I'm very happy to hear Mike got through it. And like you said, very serendipitous as he, he helps out a lot of people and then we got to help him out. So it was great to donate. I just saw the pictures come through and I think he's going to post some more. He said, but, uh, yeah, what a great event and what a great guy, good human. Um, and I'm so glad that he got through it and that he's been able to now use his platform um, to raise awareness. And I, I didn't know that colon cancer is the number one two, or the, so the number two killer um, of cancers. So yeah, uh, get get and your I mean, screening. So That's, yeah, yeah. And I mean, what's crazy. So Brett Jones came out and helped teach the course. Yeah, and he, he just battled cancer. He had his own battle over the last few years. So I mean, it was, it was really a pretty powerful event. Like Brett said some words, Mike said some words, there were some other uh, cancer survivors there that kind of shed their perspective. And, um, you know, it, I think it's really exciting to see because I know he really has big plans to continue to do this uh, year after year, like what he said to me when I was talking at the end was like, I hate that I had to go through this, but I'm happy that I'm able to mm. now yeah. be in a position to try to one open either one thing he talked a lot about when we were there was a screening and taking your health seriously as a guy. I think a lot of guys kind of kick things like that down the road for years. Um, yeah, especially healthcare people tend to be the worst patients <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like you're take, take your own health into account, especially when you have a family and, uh, you know, really taking time to talk about it and shine a light on and raise some money for a great foundation. So it was a, it was a really, really great event. Um, it was yeah. great to get some people together who I think we haven't all seen in a while, um, especially over the last couple of years. So that was definitely well, the right people, spot my weekend. People at some point, I know Mike, Coach Boyle always says it to me, he's like, I didn't know if I'd ever see you again, Brendan. <laughs> so I'm just glad that you're here, right? Yeah. So like some people you yeah. may have at one point thought that you might not have seen them again. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the hardest part is when you're going through it. When I was going through it, it's like, you don't want to make a big deal about yourself and you don't want to have people kind of feel bad for you. Um, but at the same time, sharing your story could be so powerful in that it gets other people to think about their own situation and their mortality and getting their own screening and that when you do have weird symptoms, like go, go do something about it. Don't just brush it to the side, like go and get your checkups, go, go every year. To, I mean, it's, um, 
you wish it upon no one, but when it happens to you, the, the, you do then become an advocate and you have a platform kind of, of everyone who's, who's around you in your life to use that. That's how I, I convinced myself. I was like, okay, I don't need people to be, feel bad for me, but I have a responsibility now that I've made it through this to then share my story so that it helps other people. So my big thing was donate blood. I got probably 30 or 40 bags of blood and platelets that if people hadn't donated, I wouldn't have had the transfusions um, to mm. survive. Uh, and then be a match. Uh, be the match. Bone, be, a, be the match for bone marrow transplants. I had four matches, thankfully. Um, if I had needed them, thankfully I did not. Um, but yeah, the, the more people that can get into be the match, the more people who can be saved. Um, and then obviously money for research. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that Mike's doing that and he's using his platform as, as he is. So, um, I'm jealous, I'm jealous. You got to go have red bones and beers and see everybody. So. I'm glad yeah, you went. I live vicariously for you, Kevin. Sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I know we we mentioned this last week, but we have a good topic to discuss this week. And I mean, if you're a trainer listening to this, and you're someone who's in business for yourself, whether you own a gym or you're someone who's like a freelancer, you rent space as a private contractor, or you do in homes. This is a topic that comes up a lot. And I was just talking to one of our coaches about this, who does some freelancing work as well. And the conversation really was, how much should I charge for my services? Um, how, what am I worth? And that's a tough question to ask. And it's a tough question to answer. And this is something that I think regularly coaches struggle with because they want to help as many people as possible. They really generally, if you're in this business, you're someone who is a giver. You're someone who cares about service and making people feel better. But you can't ignore the business side of things. And you can't ignore uh, the sustainability side of things. If you're not charging the right amount of money, you can't make a living. And ultimately, you'll probably resent what you're doing if you're not getting what you're worth. And so you had a really good idea to discuss this on the podcast today. And I think you have a really good kind of jumping off point um, to start the discussion uh, on a story that you have. Yeah. So this is a question I get a lot. Um, what, what should I charge? What would you charge? What do you charge? Um, and how, what, like you said, what do you charge for in-home? What do you charge for speaking? What do you charge for one-on-one? -on -one? And I love to share this story. It's called the Boilermaker story. There's a bunch of different variations. If you type in the Boilermaker story on Google, you'll get a hundred different renditions. This is my favorite version. Uh, I will share it in the sh show notes. Uh, the website is jeffacubed.com. I have no idea who Jeff A. Cubed is, but he had it posted and I'm going to read the Boilermaker story. There is an old story of a boilermaker who was hired to fix a huge steamship boiler system that was not working well. After listening to the engineer's description of the problems and asking a few questions, he went to the boiler room. He looked at the maze of twisting pipes, listened to the thump of the boiler, 
and the hiss of the escaping steam for a few minutes. He then felt some pipes with his hands. Then he hummed softly to himself, reaching to his, oh, uh, reaching into his overalls and took out a small hammer. He tapped a bright red valve one time. Immediately, the entire system began working perfectly, and the boiler maker went home. When the steamship owner received a bill for $1,000, he became outraged and complained that the boilermaker had only been in the engine room for 15 minutes, so he requested an itemized bill. So the boilermaker sent him a bill that read as follows. For tapping the valve, 50 cents. For knowing where to tap, $999.50. For a total of $1,000. So I love that story because it's not about how much work it took. It's about knowing where to tap. You're paying for the experience so that you don't have to try to figure it out for yourself. Um, mechanics, plumbers, electrical engineers, that like you pay the extra money so that you don't have to try to do that work for, well, I mean, you probably won't be able to do the work. You probably have to go buy all the tools and then you'd probably do some crappy work and then have to pay somebody to fix your mistake again. So I like to think that you're paying for all the years of experience that I've put into this job and the hours of training myself, training other people, the education, the amount of money I've spent on uh, continuing education courses, that's what you're paying for. Um, and now, but the other caveat of this is like, you got to start somewhere. And if you're brand new and you don't know where to tap yet, that's another conversation we need to have. So your price point needs to be indicative of your experience level. So I love that story because it, when people say like, oh, I, I can't charge that much or like, how do you charge $200 for a personal training session? I'm like, well, people are willing to pay for me knowing where to tap. Um, because if I can do it in 15 minutes, why would you pay somebody that it's going to take eight hours and might not be able to do it? Um, I much rather pay that money up front. Um, so yeah, that's the boiler yeah, maker and, story. And, and to the knowing where to tap um, thing that you talk about, I mean, especially now, um, information, there's no shortage of the ability to get information, maybe not to be an engineer or a boilermaker, but to be a trainer <laughs> or to do a lot of the handyman things around your house. Like if you want to do some light plumbing work or do some carpentry work, you can go on YouTube and figure out how to do 99% of the low, um, low risk things probably around your house. But mm -hmm. most people will probably fuck it up if they try to do it on their own. <laughs> and yep. so you hire somebody for the peace of mind and for your time because you're, you're, you're buying your time back. And so like for someone who wants to train themselves, like they could find all the information that they probably need to build a program, uh, but they don't have the experience on how to apply it, nor do they want to spend mm -hmm. the time to figure out how to learn to do it. So they're paying you to get their time back and for the peace of mind to do it. And 
again, the more you can give that person the peace of mind, their assurance, so that's your reputation, your experience, your ability to communicate, the more valuable you become to them. And so you think about your cost of your services is really a result of your demands, your competing demands, how many people want your business, your past experience, the quality of your services, how easy is it for them to book you and how seamless is it, is it is for you to communicate and for them to come and see you um, and your overall costs for you doing business. What costs do you incur as the practitioner to do that job? So all of those things are going to weigh into what you charge for your services. And if you can look honestly at your experience, um, your competing demands, how long of a wait list do you have or how many people are asking you to work with them? Um, if you can look at the quality of the work that you do and then your costs that you incur to do that job and say like, this is what I'm worth, then you should charge that amount. Um, because ultimately economics often take care of themselves, right? If you're charging $500 a session and you're getting $500 a session and you're busy all day, then you should keep charging $500 a session. <laughs> Uh, but if yep. you're charging that much money and you have nobody looking to train with you, uh, then maybe you have to lower your, your price point. Right. And so, um, I think like if there's a line out the door for someone to, to work with you, keep charging what you're charging or charge more, um, because then you could probably work less. And <laughs> one, I've had this conversation with coaches in the past. Um, I've said like, make sure that you're going to charge a rate that you're happy with. So that a month or two down the road, you don't resent doing the work that you're doing. Because often I've had people who are coaches kind of lowball themselves and then they get busy and then they're upset because they feel like they're not getting paid what they're worth. But you're your own boss. You chose that pay rate. You chose that salary. You chose that rate. And then you have to go back and raise your rates. And that's not always an easy conversation to have. So make sure that you take an honest look at your experiences and your services and your costs and that you're going to get the right rate for yourself. That's not going to price gouge someone or be obscene, but is the right price for the services you're going to provide and that you're comfortable with and they're comfortable with. It is always easier to go lower or give a discount than it is to go up on somebody. So mm -hmm. like you're saying, start high and if they're if they balk at it and you're not busy and you can fit that person in and you like this person, you're the boss. So you can you can make a discount up on the fly. I do that sometimes when athletes are like, well, I really want to train here. I just I can't afford that price point right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I if I don't have that spot available or I have someone else who can pay it, I might have to say, well, you come back when you can, or maybe there's something else we can do. Or I can say, hey, 20% off. It's $80 an hour instead of 10, instead of 100, yeah. right? So like, yeah. it's way easier to go down than it is to, like you're saying, go up on them in two to three months from now. Um, exactly. I'll add that don't forget people are paying or to rent your equipment. So they're not only just paying for you, like when they come to my house to work out in the gym that I have in the garage, they're renting, they're effectively renting the space for the hour, which includes the equipment, which includes me uh, as the, we'll say quote unquote expert. Um, and I think you said this in the beginning about information overload. 
we are now at a point with information that people will pay you a lot of money to filter the information for them. I get paid more money per year to filter information for people than I do for actually training them. Um, I'll use the example. I, I was working with somebody. I charged him uh, $200 for a two-hour conversation. Uh, I'll talk about my price points in a bit here just to give people an idea of how it works. And I was saying, like, he just wanted to help his daughter with her ACL. And was, he was reading a lot of conflicting information. He's He's seeing stuff in many different places, hearing many different things. And he's like, listen, like, can you just point me like in the right direction and help me out with this program? And I said, sure. So I gave him all the information that I wanted him to read. Just read these four or five articles and then we'll build her program out together from here. Uh, and, and all I'm doing is, is, like you said, the information's out there, but he's paying me to filter it to make sure he does the right thing. So it's no longer like it was 25 years ago as I couldn't, you know, we couldn't get our hands on this information. Now it's, I'm drowning in information. Can you tell me what's, what is just noise? And then what do I actually need to, what do I need to be able to get to my end goal? So I literally have people who are just paying me to filter information for them, not just uh, give them information. Yeah. And like, again, they're buying their time back because they could find the information they could dig through it. But they, if they're, what they're saying is I'm going to pay Brendan $200 for two hours instead of spending 10 hours reading blogs and going through Instagram and trying to find out the right way to do things. And they look right. at you because of the work that you've done. Like you said, your experience, the boiler maker, the years of your yep, experience. Right. Um, and they're saying, I trust this person based on their history, their credentials, their brand to find the right information for me. And they're going to pay you. And for them, it's going to be much more cost effective from a time standpoint. And if you think about most of the people who probably consume personal training, it's not a cheap service by any means, no matter really what you charge. Um, they, they want their time. They value their time. And so for you, they're buying their time back to get the results they want in the best amount of time or in the most efficient way possible. And so if you continue to remind yourself of that, then you have to think of it the same way. You're charging for your time um, and giving them the service that they're looking for. And so that's why you should charge a premium. And again, you don't price gouge. Look at the comparable rates um, in your area um, because everywhere you live is going to be a little bit different. You can't charge the same um, in some states or some cities as you can in others. But if you look around and it's comparable and you have people willing to pay it and you think that you're worth X, whether it's a little bit more, a little bit less than what the going rate is in your area, then you're probably going to be in a good starting place. And then once you start to get really busy, if you're saying like, hey, I can't take any more clients, I have an overwhelming amount of clients that I can't handle, maybe that's time when you up your rates because okay. then you're going to get more money for the same amount of work or less. And or that's when you hire people if you're trying to actually scale and build a business. And so you have to look at that long and hard. And so I think sometimes, especially for trainers, they're uncomfortable talking about money because then there was this kind of mindset in our industry. It's still per, it's pretty pervasive for a long time that like it's not about the money. I only do this because I want to serve and I want to help people. And, you know, it's all about the, the client and helping the client. And that's true. 
It's 100% right. true, but you can still believe in that and also get paid what you're worth. You don't have to be broke. And when you get past that uncomfortable conversation, you're okay talking to clients about money directly. One, you'll be surprised um, how much they're willing to pay for you for your services. If you're okay. confident and you give them what they want and provide a great service, it's not going to be as uncomfortable of a conversation as you think it is. And the people who don't want to pay you will leave and you'll be you'll end up staying with the customers who do value you. So right. if they're not willing to pay you a reasonable rate that you believe in for your service. Anyways, that person's not a good fit and they're probably not going to be a good fit anywhere. And they're going to complain no matter what the price is. Like you could charge 200 or you could charge 100 and they're going to want a discount. And so, right. I mean, there, I, I've done it long enough to see them. Um, so charge what you know you're worth. And especially if you're a business owner and you have people working under you and you're determining the rates for them, realize what you charge for your business affects their livelihood. And so if you're the type of business owner who wants to be the cheapest in town, then your trainers are probably the brokest in town. And so you need to charge a competitive rate in order not just to pay your bills at your building and keep the lights on and everything um, and to pay yourself, but also to pay the people beneath you. And so you got to look at it from a larger economical standpoint um, and the trickle down that happens if you're a business owner as well. Um, so I always tell people, don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. Don't be afraid to stick to what you're worth as long as it's fair um, and reasonable based on the environment that you're working in. And when you do that and you have enough people paying that premium price, it allows you more freedom and opportunity to offer opportunities at a lower price to somebody who might not be able to afford it. Or I'll use the mm -hmm. football team as an example. I, I work with the high school football team four days a week pro bono. I don't, I don't, I get paid a thousand dollars for the entire year. So that's like literally like three cents an hour. Cause I'm there eight hours a week all year long for a thousand dollars. So, but the reason why I can do that is because I charge the premium for my other clients who can't afford it. Right. So the school can't afford it. I want to work with football again. I want to work with these high school kids. I love it. I enjoy it. It's marketing for me too. So sell, there's a little, bit of selfishness there as well. Um, but I really enjoy it and I love working with the kids and they don't need to pay me. So I charge that premium, that hundred dollars an hour, because it allows me to do stuff like that. So, um, and I do have one athlete that pays 1750 a session because that's what they can afford. That's the deal we worked with. They came to me. I wanted to help them. Um, they pay for it themselves as a 16 year old kid. And if they're going to get up at 7am to show up before school and pay for their own sessions, I'm only going to charge them 1750 because I'm the boss and I can do that. So again, you can make those discretions. Um, but I wouldn't be able to make a living or live where I do charging everybody 1750 or doing it pro bono. So again, you, you, you get busy, you charge your premium to have the opportunity to do that stuff later. It's not a good way to start, but it's a nice way to, you know, go to, you know, help people out, but also um, fill that, maybe that void you have that I always have to charge 
a lot of money in order to help people. You, you don't. You, you can help people without charging a lot, but you are at some point going to have to make enough money to live the life you want to live. And that brings me to my next point, which I, I believe it was Alan Cosgrove that I heard this from, but uh, they always do this exercise in their, I believe it's in their mentorship program, or he's done it in, at his Perform Better Talks, is write out like your perfect, well, he says perfect day. I like to go perfect month um, because perfect month is more realistic to me. Like perfect day, uh, I'm in Tahoe, uh, drinking beers, uh, hanging out on the beach, and then not moving all day. So like, that's not a, that's not a, uh, realistic way to live <laughs> until I'm 80. Uh, although that would be nice, but I like to think of it in, in a month's term. So like how many days a week do you want to work? Uh, what, it, what are your extracurricular activities you're going to do? How, what kind of house you're going to live in? What do you drive? Like, and after you have all that information, you can say like, okay, what do you need to make per month to actually live that lifestyle? Um, and you might realize like it actually isn't as much as you thought it was. Um, so, or it might be way more than you thought it was, but from there you can say like, okay, well, if I need to make $8,000 a month to live my lifestyle that I want to live, say, I want to work four days a week for 10 hours, uh, 10 hours a day. Uh, that means you would need this you would need to charge this much and have this many sessions with this many clients in order to make that amount per week to live your best month um, so i love that exercise if anyone's listening to this like really think about like what's your i love hiking i love reading books i love uh, hanging out with my family like this shit doesn't cost anything <laughs> uh the house no. <laughs> that we live in does the car that i need to go drive around does um i love to travel so that's expensive but books don't cost very much hiking doesn't cost anything um but basically you're buying when you make money you buy you're getting freedom so when i think of making money <laughs> Money brings me freedom and opportunities to do things like lay down and read a book, go for a hike. Um, so yeah, I, I think about this all the time. Like what's my number that I need to live the, the lifestyle I want to live month to month. Um, yeah, and then work backwards from there. So with our staff, like Steve and I host a staff meeting for our staff, like, and it was a couple weeks ago and like. I was talking to him like, hey, you guys are probably all doing or have already have just done your taxes. So you yeah. literally just looked at the exact amount of money that you made here last year. And mm -hmm. I said, how many of you want to make more money? Everybody's hand went up. It's okay. <laughs> how many of you have thought about how much you more you want to make and how exactly you're going to do it? And nobody really raised their hand. Um, and yeah. so what I said was like, listen, it's very simple. If you want to make ten thousand more dollars uh, next year, then what do you have to make? Like an extra eight hundred something dollars a month? Uh, stuff out of my head, right? Yeah. And so if you do that, and that means you have to make like an extra two hundred dollars a week, which means you have to do maybe eight more training sessions a week. And so you could just do eight more one on ones, or you could do like five more two-on-ones or you could pick up uh start to do cfsc and teach like an extra course 
You know, like, like there's, how can you break it down the same way the Cosmic thing work right. backwards or to where, from or get, where you want to be to what get you have one to in home, one in home client is exactly. And so I said, I think a lot of times, especially with training, like if you can break it down to an hourly rate or a session rate and you can say, okay, this is what I need to do to make X amount more money to be able to have the life that I want or like. I mean, unless you're, I said to them all, like, unless you're all working like over 40 hours a week, which a lot of them aren't, then there's room for you to add more work. Right. And we can definitely give you more work because we have a lot of clients coming in. And if you are working like 40 hours a week and you're like, I don't want to make, I don't want to work more. How can you start to put clients together in semi-private? Right. So you maximize, because there's a lot of people maximize doing your hour, turning a right. lot of one-on-ones and it's, it's, it seems silly, but unless you do that, it's very hard to intentionally grow and make more money because it's not like people are just going to be coming and be like, here's more money for you. You have to provide more value or you have to do more. Mm -hmm. And so I said, like, if you're younger and you're not working a lot of hours yet, maybe you're working like 15 to 20 hours a week training right now because you just started. Okay. Let's find more clients. Where can we fill them in? And how many more hours can we fill per week? If you're someone who's turning like 40 hours a week, and you're, you're doing all one-on-ones, you're probably making some pretty good money right now, but you want to make more. How can we condense it or find a way to continue to level you up within our organization, whether it's CFSC, whether it's the online coaching business um, or something like that, how can we continue to build on that? And then let's work backwards from where you want to be. And it, it's an important exercise to do because if you're not continually reevaluating each year, not just on the financial part, like on what kind of impact do I want to have? Like you said, the life, like what are the things that you value? Like, do I want to spend more time with my family? Um, do I want to work on some sort of hobby? That's also important. Where can you carve that into your daily, weekly, monthly uh, routine or schedule? But you have to continually reevaluate that. And I think especially when you're coaching all the time, all of a sudden a year goes by and you did hundreds of sessions, thousands of sessions. And you're in the same place you were last, last January. And so right. if you're not continually intentionally trying to shift in one direction or the other, and you're going to always go through these phases, I could probably think of a dozen times you and I have thought like, okay, I care about different things in my life now than I did five years ago. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so maybe 10 years ago, I wanted to always have 30 sessions a week. I don't care about that anymore at all. Uh, I care much more about building something I care about. And I care much more about having time away from the gym. Whereas when I was like in my mid twenties, I didn't care about that at all. All I want to do is coach. And that's not to say I don't like coaching now, but my goals are different. And if I didn't continue to reevaluate that, I would still be doing like 40 personal training sessions a week. And I probably would right. be making money. I just wouldn't be that happy. And so we just talked to them about, you know, make sure you're continually reevaluating and then having a conversation with us about how we can continue trending you in the direction that you want to go in to help you and to continue to serve the business. Because right. if you're working here, we, we value you being here in the first place. The other option is to increase your values and opportunities by improving your education or adding more expertise. So knowing where to tap. So, just because you only have 20 clients a week and you're searching for more, but you don't have them yet, you got another 20 hours to increase like, your opportunities to tap and knowing where to tap. 
Um, so there's also like, yeah, I yeah, keep hustling, keep working, keep finding, trying to find those clients, um, but also in, improve like what you're worth by increasing your education and what you know. And, um, and that doesn't cost like, yes, courses cost money, but again, there's so much free information out there. It doesn't have to cost you money. Like you can find podcasts, um, articles, you can just call and ask people questions, go, go visit other gyms. They usually don't charge you to just go and visit and observe. Um, you will only improve and increase your value over a long period of time. So it doesn't just have to be add more because it might not pay off now, right? This year, but it's going to pay off five years from now. So, and I love that you said that every, so I love, I love the, uh, the seven year cycle that every seven years mm -hmm. you kind of change as an individual. So seven years old is kind of that like breaking point between being like a, a baby to like being independent 14. When you're a teenager, you hit puberty 21, you can drink alcohol and your frontal lobe is <laughs> at its peak 28. All of a sudden now you're thinking a little more conservative and family 35, you might have a family now 42 then 49, you're hitting midlife crisis now, uh, 56. So like every seven years, like you're saying, like what you value and, um, what you dog want years. out of your life dog years is going to shift and the way you work and maybe what you charge, um, should also shift as well. Um, I want to share with everyone the, so I mentioned the hundred dollars an hour thing, and I don't know if you saw this strengthcoach.com question mm -hmm. that we got, but it was like, what do you charge for online training? Um, like, do you charge a different price for zoom sessions than you do for in-person sessions? And again, I do not, because if we're doing a zoom session, you're still paying for knowing where to tap. You're paying for the expertise. You're paying me for the years. You're not paying me for the minutes. So I keep it really, really simple now. Everything is $100. And then I can navigate my price from 100 So 100 is what I can get here in California in Brentwood. So when I was in San Francisco, it was between 150 and 200 depending on what you wanted. But that's the price I could get in San Francisco I can't get that out here. So like you said, part where you live, your location will dictate what you can charge. Now, I keep it really simple from the standpoint, if you want me to come to your house and you live 30 minutes away, that's a 30, that's a one hour round trip. It's a $200 session for an mm -hmm. in-home. Or if you're an hour away and I'm doing an hour round trip, it's $300. Because you're paying the second I get in my car, you're paying for that session. Um, mm -hmm. I like to do that with speaking too. So if I get asked to speak somewhere, if I leave my house on Friday at noon and I get home Sunday at noon, that's 48 hours. That's $4,800. Mm -hmm. um, I actually got that idea from Mike. I don't know if you remember sitting down with Mike yeah. in Brazil, but Mike yeah. said, I'm just going to start charging from the second I leave my front door until the second I get home. 
And I was like, that's genius. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, obviously yeah. if I was to stay for extra time on my own accord, that's on me. But the thought process is like, you are paying me for my time, regardless of what it is. Is it a phone call? Is it a consultation? Is it a training session? Is it a massage? My massages are a hundred dollars an hour. Is it speaking? Is it, so I keep it one flat rate. I don't like having, I have, I don't like having packages. I don't like having deals. I don't like having one flat rate. I mean, I can do that. Cause like you said, I'm my own business. I get, if I had people working for me or I had another system in place, but I just wanted to share with everyone, like that's my thought process and what I charge personally because of where I'm at. Um, that's also, if nobody, uh, if you're listening to this, you don't really know anything about me. I've been doing this now for 15 years. Um, and I like to think I've gotten pretty good at what I do, which allows me to charge that price point. Yeah. And as you have more things competing for your time, like you mentioned, Mike, like I know Mike, like his kids are always competing for his time. That's what he would rather be doing. And I know I could mm -hmm. say for you, it's the same thing with your daughter and your wife. And so for you to be taking away from you, you're literally taking the time that you could be spending with your wife and your child in giving it to somebody else. So there's a cost for that. So the second you leave your house, you're giving that time away and they're buying that time, I should say. And so yeah. you should be charging for that. And especially if it's like, hey, if they're not gonna pay that, I don't need to do it. If you're in a right. position to say that, then you're right. in a position to charge whatever you want. Because right. that's a great uh, point. If you're, is you're okay I, walking I've, away from it. I've earned that position to say, well, if you can't, then it's just not going to work out, right? I get if you are in a position where you have to accept, say, like, I got to charge $60 an hour because I need the work. Like, I get that. That's I had to do then that in my 20s, and I did yeah. in my 20s. Um, but I'm, I've made it to a place where I know, and everyone will that's listening, if you stay in this game long enough, you will get to that point where, like you're saying, mm -hmm. you're so busy and you value your time so much, it is worth this much. Um, mm -hmm. But in the beginning, yeah, when in my 20s, I didn't really get to choose. <laughs> uh, no. I trained everyone and everything. I, I put, uh, I remember there was a question at Perform Better. They said, I, can't, I think it was, what's your number one advice as a new trainer? And I said, train everyone and everything. I remember I told Mike and Bob, if, mm -hmm. or if Mike and Bob had told me to train the trash can at Boyles, I would have trained the shit out of the trash can. And it would have been the most jacked <laughs> trash can or most athletic trash can you ever met in your life. I would have trained the shit out of that trash can at 20 years old if they had told me to. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. at some point you get the luxury of not having to train the trash can anymore <laughs> for a lack. Yeah, of we a still train analogy. some trash cans here and there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I trained some trash cans. It's all right. Uh, but it keeps, but everything, right. it keeps like, everything in like perspective. When you're young, when you're young, just say yes. Um, mm -hmm. because that's how you get the experience to know where to tap going back to the boilmaker story. Um, yeah. but at some point then you earn the right to to pick your clients, you earn the right to pick your rate and you earn the right to start to build the life and the career that you want. But early on, you just need experience and you need work. And so where I think the issue comes is I think you have twofold. You have young people who miss that step 
and want to just start charging whatever and working whenever and you're never going to get the experience you want to charge what you want and you're never going to be as good as you should be if you skip that and on the flip side you have people who've been doing it for a long time who haven't advanced the way they think about their business they're so they're still right. stuck in who they were when they're in their 20s and then they're upset and they get burnt out because they didn't right. build a sustainable business model or a sustainable rate to continue to build themselves and you have to be able to you said go through that seven year progression that seven year gap where you begin to change um and also not try to jump ahead seven years when you're not ready to be there yet because i think now especially i think the barrier for entry for fitness is very low and we see a lot of people especially if you're young you see a lot of people who are very popular whether they're in the internet you think they're making a lot of money coaching you think i can do that but you just started yesterday um, realize there's a lot of groundwork to be laid and some people hit the fast forward button because maybe they catch fire on social media um, or whatever, but that's a facade. There's not sustainability mm. there. And so they'll be gone in seven years. To... <laughs> that's again, the seven yeah. year, like if yeah, they're still I... here in seven years, then they're probably doing something right. Right. Yeah. So that's the magic number. Um, so you, you have to, you can't not go through it. You can't skip steps. But when you get there, you have to continue to change how you do business and evolve what you charge, evolve what your goals are if you're going to continue to grow. And they, the first the first seven years say yes to everything. The, the next five years, or sorry, the next seven years and beyond learn to say no. But you have to earn mm -hmm. the right to say no by... We'll, well, I'll use the word suffer for the first seven years. Like that's, it's part of, part of the journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know anybody uh, in any career that doesn't go through like a phase the, the Tim like that. Ferris, like I think about the Tim Ferriss four hour work week is a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. Um, if you read, <laughs> if you read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, do you know how the book begins? It's all about how he spends the first five years of that company working 15 hours a day to get it to where it is. Mm. So he got to the four-hour work week by busting his ass for the first five to seven years for 14 hours a day. Like he, mm -hmm. he didn't magically start by just working four hours a week. He got to four hours a week by busting his ass for the first seven years. <laughs> like that's, that's the... Um, that can be my issue with some of these books that embellish that that work less, uh, make more type of mindset. Like you only get there if you've you've built up those systems beforehand. Uh, but maybe it we're just bitter. Good. Too, and... too good to be true. It probably is. <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. Discussion. I don't have much more to add to that. It was a great discussion. No. We got to talk about our book this week. You have a book. I do. I, I came. I came very prepared. So did I. This is this is. Oh, my, the best. We didn't go do this it. one, this did one of we? My favorites. No. no. All right. Go so for it. The reason why I brought this, "The Power of Full Engagement" by Jim Lore and Tony Schwartz, is because I need to read this book again this year. I read it oh, yeah. once a year, and I think I've read it for the last five years. I think uh, that's was it so good. Ed Lippy. Ed Lippy recommended Lippy. this. Ed Lippy recommended to us. Yeah. Uh, so managing energy, not time, is the key to high performance and personal renewal. So, uh, for example, you would think that, like, if I work out for 45 minutes, that's going to take 45 minutes away from my day that I could be doing something else. If we think of 
managing energy instead of managing hours, working out probably adds an extra two hours a day to your week because you have more energy. Going to bed on time and sleeping seven to eight hours, even though you're in bed for longer, adds more energy throughout the week in order to do more work and get better work done. So that's the other thing they talk about is like, if you take four hours to do something that could have taken you one hour, if you had the energy to do it, uh, you wasted a bunch of time. So yeah, you got it done, mm -hmm. but you could have done it. And I mean, it's exactly what we just spoke about paying somebody to do something in an hour if it takes you three, the opportunity cost, it's more valuable for you to just spend the money for somebody who has the equipment and the tools and they can do it in an hour instead of you going to rent and buy the equipment and then spend three to four hours trying to figure it out and praying with your fingers crossed that you got it done correctly, which you may or may not. Right. So it's the same thing. So we managing energy is more important than managing your schedule. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's one of those books that every time you read it speaks oh, a little yeah. bit different. You going back to the same thing we talked about every seven years, like you read it and you're like, oh, I'm in a different place in my life. I'm thinking about different aspects that this applies to. Um, because right. I've read it same thing a few times and gone back and been like, ah, that's a lesson I needed to hear right now. And it's not the same <laughs> thing I thought about when I read it the last time. Yeah, they go through. So there's four different versions of energy so there's physical energy fueling the fire there's emotional energy so transforming threat into challenge there's mental energy which is appropriate focus and realistic optimism and then there's spiritual energy he, he who has a why to live which is the victor frankel man's search for meaning mm -hmm. um, but yeah the book is fabulous that's again the Power of Full Engagement by Jim Lore and Tony Schwartz. What do Very you got? Very good. So I have a completely different book. Completely different book. Mm. And this one that I just reread, it's one of my favorite ones as a part, as it, a lot of these books we just reread over and over. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Replies to Nutrition. Um, and it's called The Hungry Ooh. Brain uh, by Stephen Guynette. And so Stephen Guynette's very, very smart. Great uh, Twitter follow uh, if you're on Twitter. Um, and not only is it very, uh, helpful, but there's some great illustrations. I love good illustrations. Um, but it talks about, uh -huh. you know, it's outsmarting the instincts that make us overeat. So it talks about like why people and why we overeat one from, uh, the food industry, how they make foods that are intentionally made to make us want to eat more, but also how we consume foods from the size of your plate to eating at a buffet to eating with people to eating slower and they talk it's very simple from a very food a very scientific standpoint he takes it and makes it very um digestible no pun intended um for the average person to read so there's a lot of good like things like if you're talking to clients about nutrition um there's a lot of good little takeaways about uh, behaviors about how they go about preparing their food or how they go about sitting down and consuming their food or when they go out to eat the manner in which they order um, their food that makes it so they don't overeat as much because so much of our environment um, is what dictates how much we eat and what we eat um, like so for instance like you anytime 
if you if there's more food options, people always eat more. That's why at a buffet, you have, you're like, I need to get a couple of these pieces of chicken. I need to get this. I need to get this. And like, you're, all of a sudden, you walk away and your plate is like a mound. At least that's how I do it. Um, <laughs> and so they talk about like the psychology of that um, and how also, like, like I said, the food industry uh, tries to make s- super, super palatable foods on purpose. Like, there's a billion dollar companies, they don't just make the foods by mistake. Like they make it so you will eat more of it, right? Like once yeah. you open the bag of chips, that bag of chips is gone. Uh, and that's yeah. by design. And so he, they talk a lot about that in this book. So, and there's, like I said, great illustrations to, to show it. So I don't know if I would give this to a client, but it's one that as a coach or as a nutritionist or a dietitian, if you read it, it's going to help you have conversations with them um a little bit better and like have let them look at their behaviors uh a little bit more critically and so i was just having conversations with a client about this a few weeks ago and i said oh i should open that book back up again and kind of read back through it and i read it and i was like oh yeah this is really really good because it helped me more intelligently kind of convey the things that i want to talk to them about so the hungry brain uh by Stephen Guinet. so i would uh highly recommend that again he's a good twitter follow as well if you're into the geeky stuff about nutrition science i thought it was uh, a very good book. Have you ever read the Dorito effect? No, but I think I would like it. Uh, I like Doritos. So, yeah, it's <laughs> well, the whole entire book is about how the food industry, like you spend, said, spends billions of dollars to create foods that you literally can't stop eating. Um, and it goes through the entire gamut of like all the chemical stuff that they use and do and the taste testing and it's fascinating. Actually, I got that book from Devin McConnell and now I'm going to have to read mm-hmm. this book because I've never seen this book. So, uh, but the Dorito effect is you'd really like that book as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think most clients don't really realize that, right? Like, yeah, like no one designed a potato and like, you're not going <laughs> to overeat a bunch of just regular potatoes. Apples. When you put, yeah. When you put a lot of oil on them, and salt and you fry them up. Yep. You can eat a lot of potatoes, right? And so yep. um, those are things that, that are important. And so it, just from a food preparation standpoint, those things make a difference in, in with portion yeah. control. So um, salt, acid, very, very important heat. thing to think about. I think it, what is it? It's fat, salt, acid, and heat, right? Those are the four things that yeah, they use. All the, the best to, things. The best things that make you literally not able to stop eating. Like you said, like the sleeve of Oreos, just, it disappears. I don't know how. It's like this. Right in. <laughs> uh, all right. What do we got coming up here? I, I was going to go through the, so I have a CFSC May 22nd in LA right now. That's Los what I've Angeles, got coming up. California. Los Angeles. I was going to read through like what we got coming up because, uh, I've had a lot of people say that that once they they hear it on the podcast that they go and sign up for it. So I don't know if you you, you can also share go to our website you're doing. and uh, see them. You could do that too. Yeah, I'm going to be going. I'm going overseas. Uh, my next, actually, before I go there, I have one well, in you're Warwick, going to Rhode, Rhode Island, Island right? Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, April yep. 9th, right? April 9th um, at DMP Fit. So with our good friend uh, Damian Pinero, former MBSC employee. Um, he has a great gym down there in Warwick, Rhode Island. I'm going to be doing a level one there. And then shortly, two days later, I'm going to be flying over to the Middle East. I'm teaching in Dubai, a level one, level two over in oh, Dubai. I did not and know then from that. there, I go directly. 
Yeah, I go directly to the, the Netherlands, Netherlands and teach in the Netherlands from there uh, the following weekend. So I'll be very busy the first three weeks of April. I'm teaching all three weekends in Rhode Island, Dubai, and the Netherlands. So I would love to see nice. some people there. Dubai and the Netherlands are both level one, level two. So there'll be both levels there. Warwick, Rhode Island, right down the street from Massachusetts. I'll be doing a level one. So hopefully I uh, see some people there. We got Colorado coming up. New Jersey, yep. Toronto, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Georgia, and Chicago are also all on the website. That's certifiedfsc.com um, if anyone wants to go check those out. Yeah. So. Love to see you there. Number nine in the books. That brings us to an hour. Thank you all for listening, and uh, see you next week. Thanks, all. Take care, Kev.